welcome to Imagine Me and Utena 2. They have robots now. I'm <laughs> Panda. I am your host. I didn't come up with a, a funny, snappy Imagine Me and Suleta Mercury. I didn't come up with a fun one for this one. Sorry, folks. Uh, but we are here to talk about Immobile Suit Gundam, The Witch from Mercury. And I have here with me, as always, my faithful co-host, Alice. Hi, Alice. Hi. I'm pretty sure that the funny name for this one is Imagine Me and Big Steppy. Yeah! I was about to say, I, I was, Alice, no, how could you? I was literally going to do the uh, Welcome to Big Steppy intro when Panda called me. <laughs> <laughs> and that was going to be the joke, and you ruined it. How could you? Okay, actually, that is definitely better. I am here with the hosts of Big Steppy, a great podcast about real robots, cool robots, and real cool robots. Alice and Cass, who are also my co-hosts on this show. It's a crossover, everybody. Oh shit, I should have put the Bojack bit in the in the soundboard where Mr. Peanut Butter says, Is this a crossover episode? <laughs> We can put it in in post. <laughs> if I feel like it when I get to editing this. We are also here with some special guests. We have a packed house tonight, folks. We are here with returning guest, Jeffrey. Hi, Jeff. Hello. It's me, Jeff. It's you. And we are also here with a first-time guest, VTuber sensation, Maru DeSinko. Hello. Hello! Uh, oh God, I, I, I do my I do my VTuber bit now. Do I do the VTuber thing where I like I like present myself in a in a cute and you know anime waifu kind of manner? Oh, I think that, you got to. I think yeah, I think I got to. Okay, please mm. do. Nothing will make Alice happier. I think. Okay, here we go. Oopa! I'm Meredith Cinco, hero of hope and idol of disaster. I am a VTuber, part of the independent VTuber group Gatai the Live. Well, hello. Hi. I, I, Hi. I said welcome because I'm used, to, I'm used to welcoming people when I say that. <laughs> I'm delighted. Well, welcome You're to the you. You're the guest I, now, Maru. I feel Hello. welcomed. Yay. Awesome. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Lovely to have you on our show that is currently uh, us and Panda fighting about whose show it is this time. And we're not fighting. We are collaborating. We have we found this dialectical synthesis between Utana and Big Steppy. Because we were, originally the plan was I was going to go on Big Steppy and Cass was going to give her big pitch on why Utana is a mech anime, actually. And that was going to be our crossover Ooh. episode. But then... Someone Somebody just decided just, to make my shit post real. Someone just decided to dump a whole new Gundam in our laps. That's just it's just Utena, baby, toe to tip. That's an Utena. Yep, that's I would recognize it at five hundred yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's cuckoo banana pants. How Utena this is, and I'm really excited yeah. for everyone to talk about it. But first, Mara, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself, what you do? I would also introduce Jeff, but Jeff's been on here enough. I feel like I feel like everybody knows what Jeff does. Shadow co-host. I have like a I have like a stable of like unofficial co-hosts of the podcast, basically. I don't want the responsibility. I'm I can just be a guest. It's fine. <laughs> if you're a good guest, you will gain the papal's ovation and fame forevermore. Yes. I don't want that either. <laughs> but but kitchen stadium. Should I mention how should I mention how Jeff here is like Literally, like my number one fan. <laughs> Should I mention this? 
I yes, you should <laughs> put him on blast. Oh, I'll make okay. I'll mention that in a second. Uh, so yeah, so hi, Maricinko. As I said, I'm a VTuber. I would say like the way that I introduce myself, like like my content to people, is I am the idol loving, gumpla building, Yuri manga reading VTuber. I debuted as a VTuber in December 2021, which means that I'm I'm getting close to the one year mark. Wow. Um, yeah, thank you. I also uh, I'm I'm definitely a nobody. I've not blown I've not blown up. I I toil in obscurity, and that's how I like it because then I get to talk about Legend of the Galactic Heroes or Berserk or Tim Rogers. So it's all good. Or you get to come into other people's Twitch chats and talk about milking. Which which I do I do whenever I am able to catch Panda live, which is which is very because of time zones. But yes. uh, yeah, but that's what I do. I I build a lot of Gunpla on stream. I'm a longtime fan of Gundam. I've been a fan of Gundam slightly less long than I've been a fan of Utena. Uh, it's several decades of of both actually. <laughs> you know, more than let's just say. Tw- over 20 years of fandom of both first Utena then Gundam and then uh, it just so happened that in 2020 very late I was I was a bit of a Yuri late bloomer if you will because despite <laughs> loving Utena for many many years in 2020 I got 2021 really I really got super into Yuri manga and since then I've read basically every major Yuri manga available in English so between the, the, the conjunction of all of these the, the conflux of all of these means that uh, Witch from Mercury was and it has been an unexpected pleasure. So, so that's you know that's 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 basically me. That that and a lot of Tim Rogers references and a lot of Jerry's. That's 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 <laughs> me in a nutshell. So, Witch from Mercury is interesting. Uh, it's the fifteenth mainline entry in the Gundam franchise. It is the first mainline Gundam TV anime in seven years since uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Iron Blooded Orphans, and the very first uh, series in the franchise to have a female protagonist in the mainline franchise. I think yes, third in the franchise overall since Mobile Suit Gundam Twilight Axis is what I have written down. Wait. Are we are we retconning that the main character of a significant portion of Gundam Wing is not Rolina? Thank you, Rolina. Rolina. Well, I mean, this is just officially. I think everyone knows that Rolina is the real main character of Gundam Wing, or should have been. And in this video essay, I will now. <laughs> <laughs> are we retconning that Lawrence the Hack is a man? <laughs> This series is directed by both Hiroshi Kobayashi and Ryo Ando and written by Ichiro Okochi, which that name might be familiar to fans of Utena because he wrote the revolutionary girl Utena light novels, which we have not covered on this show because I don't want to. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. I haven't covered them because I don't give a fuck because i don't want to i feel like we'll probably get to it eventually but i don't want to have to read it so we haven't and that's that's the reason but it is probably the main contributing factor maybe as to why this show is so utana i don't really know why i love this show so much i also don't really understand why they have taken it in this direction but not in a bad way just in a i'm confused but we can, we can get we to can, that we can talk about that a bit once we once we get into it oh, we, will. we will we will we will because there's 
several Gundam likers here, and I, I think we all have lots of thoughts. I've enjoyed a Gundam or two. I've been known to enjoy a You, the average Gundam, Gundam liker, Maris Nesinko, <laughs> the incredible Gundam enjoyer. I have not really... my The most Gundam uh, exposure I have is being the producer of Big Steppy. I've seen some Gundam Wing, but like I'm that was not something I... I've ever gotten into, but I had to check this one out. So, and as a Gundam virgin, practically, yeah, I, I speak the least Gundam here, and I'm I'm very excited to hear what you guys think because I know all of you have varying levels of much more uh, knowledge of Gundam than I do. Panda, Panda, hey, hey, here behind the bleachers, kid. Hey, do you like Yoko Kano? Do you like Yoko Kano, kid? Do you I like do the like Yoko the character? Do you like the character designs of Street Fighter artist Akira Yasuda? Do you like the, the, the beautiful, the beautiful curved lines of futurist designer Sid Mead, who worked on films such as Blade Runner and Tron? Well, do I have a show? Do I have a show for you? <laughs> Tony Gundam kid, it's gonna blow your mind. <laughs> it's got nano machines, son. Is that like the one of them Robotechs? <laughs> Listener, I flew over with the Enola Gay and dropped a dropped a bomb right on top of our guest. (laughs) I cannot believe you just went and laid waste to internationally beloved VTubing icon Maru Desu. She is the she is the only person I've ever subscribed to on Switch on on Twitch. So thank you. Good heavens. No, we cannot, we cannot, if we hope to retain our sanity, the attention of the audience, and any semblance of a coherent reality for Panda, we cannot talk about Robotech. We, we, we cannot <laughs> go the there. The Robotech discourse is too powerful. I have heard of Robotech, but I don't know what it is. I will say though, okay, can I tell you something? I'll tell you something. And I can substantiate this at another time. We can we can have this conversation at another time. But without Macross, the show that originated Robotech, without Macross, I wouldn't be a VTuber. Because oh, without Macross, Macross, we wouldn't have virtual idols. Without virtual idols, we wouldn't have Hatsune Miku, and then Love Live, and then Hollow Live, and then VTubers. Well, oh, sorry, you're God, you're, oh my God, you're right. So, I didn't know yeah. that Macross and Robotech were the same thing, guys. Don't <laughs> say Lin that! Lin Mei, without Lin Minmei of Macross, we wouldn't have had Shiori Fujisaki and then the idolization of Super Sentai present in Sailor Moon. And then, of course, Hatsune Miku and Love Live and Kisuna Ai and Hololive and me. So I'm just saying. So without Macro, sure. we could, what, what you're saying is we could make one of those domino memes about this. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Oh yes. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, I told you we cannot get into this. We we, okay. we have a lot of. I will tomatoes to fry. Tell- we have a lot of tomatoes in the in the oven. Oh, we really do. And you are staying up very late for us. Thank you so yeah. much. But that is that is our background info on Mobile Suit Gundam, the Witch from Mercury. And would someone like to start taking us through the the prologue episode? The prologue episode, not very Utena, but it's got a lot of very important stuff leading up to uh, the events of the rest of the show. Uh, sure, I'll do it. Nice. Alice, tell me about the prologue episode. Okay, so we have an entire episode of Prologue as episode zero. I didn't know this existed. I I, a lot I of thought people, this was I a, skipped it. 
Yeah, uh, I have found that to be the experience of a lot of people I've tried to talk to about this show. And that's kind of wild to me because it does have like so much that is necessary knowledge for going into <laughs> episode yeah. one. I will say, like, I mean, we can get into this a bit later, but, like, I skipped it originally, and then I watched it because, like, generally speaking, when you get something called prologue with, like, an anime, like, a lot of that, like, an episode zero, at most, like, it's, there's, like, a tradition of doing, like, a promotional, like, yeah. sort of fake <laughs> episode that maybe has, it's basically sort of a clip show of things to come, like, episode zero of the 2001X anime, for example. So I skipped it, and then someone told me, you know, it's like 100% an episode. It's like, yeah. mm -hmm. it's a story. So, but yeah, it's it's a bit weird the way they've done it, but I want to talk about that once we get maybe through, after, through both yeah. episodes, I want to talk about it. So, yeah. Yeah, the prologue kind of feels like would be a flashback episode like later in the series kind of thing is what it felt like. Yeah, but it's a whole episode. It's also a little bit of a downer, which we'll get to in a moment. It's so cute and it's so sad. Yeah. We get a asteroid facility uh, called Volkswanger, which where we meet the Samaya family. Originally, just Eleonora, and we meet her, and she is she is she is the test pilot for what appears to be a Gundam. You can tell it's a Gundam because it's red, white, and blue. I and it's also called a Gundam. Yes, well, in they, the universe of the show, the name of this robot in particular, I believe, is Elfrith which is a reference to Lord Frith from uh, the rabbit book. The Watership Down? All yeah, Watership, Watership Down. Down. Yeah. That's a Watership Down reference. Um, the it's called, They call it Front, which I assume is probably synonymous and, or related in some way to um, the sides from the Lagrange points and the first Gundam, but I don't know. Fullfinger, by the way, is an actual word from Norse mythology. It means the army field or field of the host. It's the half of the those who die in battle go to Odin's Hall, and the other half go to Fullfinger, which oh. is foreshadowing. So she is testing, um, Elnora Samaya is testing out a new mobile suit technology that connects, it's, it is a human-machine interface that is extremely in-depth and they are trying to push this technology so that it can be used safely or at least reasonably safely. And they keep hitting a snag in the same place and they're starting to get frustrated. There's a sense that if they don't figure this out soon, it's th this, pro this program is going to get plugged either because regulation is going to shut them down because it's controversial or because the investors are going to pull out. Before we can get too much uh, rumination on that, her daughter arrives in an adorable little spacesuit she's so tiny she has a bunny backpack for her spacesuit precious it's so cute i like i almost like had to stop and just just whine about cute it was when we watched this it was the most i was just not expecting it uh alice were you feeling any type of way about these tragic redheads in space <sighs> yes yes i was anyway <laughs> listener i Listeners, go check out uh, a recent episode of the podcast at the Home for Wayward OCs where Alice talked about her original character, Sam, the main character of a novel that she's been writing for many years, who is in space and has red hair. And I'm and it's very about unfortunate. It. It's not unfortunate. Don't say that. So her daughter comes in and she's just kind of bored and she wants her mom because it's her birthday today. And you get the sense that everyone in this facility knows little Eric is her name um, and loves her. And it's extremely cute. It's incredibly heartwarming. 
And so they go back to their quarters where her husband has been preparing a little birthday set up for Eric. Her husband, Nadim, also is working on the project. It is a little more vague about exactly what his what he does. We know that he has piloting skills, but he kind of strikes me as more of an engineer. Yep. And they are kind of deciding to not talk about business because their daughter is the most important thing to them. We get that the technology in the Gundam is actually technology based on the prosthetic that Elnora has. She has a prosthetic arm that occasionally just has problems with a power supply as well as other things. And that this was kind of the early part and that what they're doing now has implications for the same technology that helps her, you know, operate in everyday life. Yeah, she does a reload animation on that arm by putting in a new battery. It's great. Oh, I love it. The animation's really good. It, it's, as a sidebar, the animation, the whole first episode, of like, watching people do stuff in space is just Oh, I love a, it. A it's joy. delightful. It's really so, cool. So, anyway, bad news. We've got a coup coming. Yeah, so, during the party, uh, Nadine is called away. So sad. Womp Womp is not deserved here. Sorry. Oh, God. There's a. There's a there's no whammies. No whammies. No whammies. Immediately scene. hits. There's a violent coup and you're all going to die. <laughs> oh, no. Better luck next time. Alexa, play this Posito. <laughs> He's called away and he finds out that the project is being shut down by Cathedra. Uh, which is a kind of a, it seems like a kind of a corporatist council's regulating body kind of thing. It is notable here, Cathedra's a new thing. Yes, it is a brand new thing and literally just brought into existence. As one of their first acts, they are shutting down the Gund, G-U-N-D project. All tech related to that, there's just a dead end. We're not going to go any farther than that because it's, it, it, it can it can kill you. It is actually potentially very, very bad. Um, the Gundarm technology and they announced that they are going to shut that down and in the behind the scenes we are shown that one of the main people in that council one of the younger ones who's kind of a zaibatsu master in training decides that instead of just just shutting them down or like giving them more time and deliberating on it it's best to do it now because if the gundarm project works it will tip the balance of power in Earth's favor over the space noids, which they're called Spacians and Earthians in this one, because we are not in the universal century anymore, folks. And so they show up with their private army and murder everyone. It is really bloody. It's 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 very brutal. Like, I did not expect this show to go that hard this fast. Well, it's Gundam, and this is what happens in Gundam. Look, Gundam began by dropping a colony on Australia. Okay, but again, I'm not that familiar with Gundam, so I'm just yeah. like... I ended expect- in the episode where we talked about... We made a joke about how the first Gundam movie is a war crime compilation. <laughs> yes, but like, I guess I didn't expect this much blood, maybe, is more specifically what I'm getting at. That's very that's very fair, Panda, but just to give you an idea, 1996 is After War Gundam X... Literally, the first thing that happens in that show is that 90% of humanity is horrifically, brutally murdered. Getting everyone killed early on (laughs) is a Gundam tradition. It's a staple. There has to be a horrific, inciting incident tragedy in which many people die horribly. And preferably, at some point, you see the inside of a cockpit and someone yelling, Mother! 
Yeah, I mean, like, if it had, if it had just been like we found out that they killed everybody, I would I yeah. probably wouldn't have been as yeah. surprised. Yeah, yeah no, I, I'm I'm with you because like the way it is shot is is still startling, even though I know about Gundam's obsession with showing mankind's brutality to man. <laughs> It still kind of shocked me because it, you are only minutes apart from adorable young girl floating Happy around birthday. in her bunny spacesuit on her birthday. <laughs> and and then like seeing these people who obviously loved her and that she knows. And one of the two of them, by the way, I'm pretty sure are women who are who are like together. Yes, I also that is my truth. <laughs> And I mean, like just like, fucking we, we get confirmation of murder like, literally minutes later that this is a normative thing in this timeline. So yeah. yeah. So like super, super murdered. It, it's it's pretty brutal. But um Nadim sacrifices himself in one of the prototypes because he's not gonna get out of there. Yeah, and when he sacrifices himself, he doesn't get killed. He like runs the gun stuff too hard and like burns his like brain out, basically. Yeah. yeah. I sneak happy birthday over the calm system to his daughter yeah it's it's <laughs> rough you know these characters for only episode but it's it's rough it feels like a little short film yep. but they do get away but not before in a moment of absolute panic the little girl eric who was at the very beginning of this talking to the the mobile suit of this whole crisis because she was down there and wanted to see it is able to perfectly sync with it beyond which anyone has ever gone and without realizing what she's doing, the Gundam AI basically handholds her baby's first, um, baby's first dogfight into blowing several mobile suits um, out of the sky. She makes Ace before she's five years old. Yeah, it's reconfirmed it kills. Like fireworks. Yeah, and not really understanding what's going on, and then they escape. That is the prologue. It is a lot, and I mean that most and in a very good way it feels like a short film yeah yeah someone just rip out a vape just now <laughs> yes i do not i do not vape that was don't, not me don't, don't bully me i'm quitting smoking it was just so audible <laughs> i'm sorry i didn't think it would be audible no, it's Alice, okay. what you need to know is the microphone hears all was it as audible as the free credits you can get on audible.com sorry <laughs> I need to go spend my credit on Audible. You could get a copy of Underground by Haruki Murakami. I could, like I actually. Did. Do we want to talk about this now, or do we want to go through episode one and come back to this? I feel like we can talk a little bit about this now, at like standing on its own, but we, it'll probably, you know, it'll come yeah. up. Do we like having a prologue episode, maybe not all the time, but this time? Yes. In general, because I kind of like it. This yes. time I think it works because I feel so I, I just just to do like a tiny bit of groundwork for people that have never watched Gundam. Gundam is usually like it's what you would call high concept science fiction. And there's a lot of stuff mm. that is kind of like a given in Gundam that a Japanese audience would go like, yeah, I don't need this explained to me. But generally speaking, the theme tends to be the political uh, you know, space politics of there's usually a faction that is space-based and one that is Earth-based, and they're in conflict for several reasons that are usually political, usually to do with like oppression, colonialism, imperialism, etc. And the thing is that each new Gundam show, each new Gundam TV show specifically, is in a new continuity, 
Whereas like there's like some continuities that are revisited sometimes. We're not going to go into that today. But like in the case of like a new Gundam TV show, you usually have some groundwork to do at the beginning because it's a new universe, essentially. essentially. This is not the universe of the last show, Iron Blooded Orphans. It's not the universe of the show that came before that, which I think was uh, g Reco. They're all separate. Iron Blooded Orphans was no beam weapons. This one's all the beam weapons. Yeah, so like there's always like, I guess for for even for a Japanese audience, there you need to establish what is different about this continuity, what is new about this continuity, what is the status quo of this continuity, and there's a lot to cover in this one because they're going for some interesting new concepts that Gundam hasn't quite done yet, and so I feel like it was a bold move to put the prologue there because they're kind of bringing us up to date to where this world is, so that the first episode can be what it is, which we're going to go into in a second. But at the same time, it's a bit jarring because the prologue feels like a very traditional Gundam episode, I would say, of like any other Gundam show. And then there's like a bit of a, there's a bit of a jump for episode one to the actual vibe of the show. Do you know what I mean? They are very totally different. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Know, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Out there, Cause like they are, but also there's a lot of, First of all, having watched episode, uh, or like, you know, done some pre-gaming on episodes uh, two, three, and four, not that we're going to be talking about them for this, they start marrying those vibes faster than you think. Mm-hmm. Yes. But second of all, like, they, they do set up some things in episode one that are like, if you watch episode one on its own, you don't feel like you're missing anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It works as in establishing episode for this universe these characters and the stakes of the series all on its own. But if you know, if you watch the prologue, a lot of things that people will just take for granted if they go straight into episode one, like are all, wait, why is that guy there? Wait, you know, clearly this person is, you know, someone who they're, they're claiming not to be. What is going on? How is this unit? How is this here? You know, it gives, it takes what is, would normally be basically a very regular, set up for like a school anime that you know is going to go wrong vibe and then immediately puts you in this situation where you're constantly going like what is happening politically you know and also to other characters to have resulted in the scenario we see at the beginning of the show so i think it really works effectively as like a way of um you know without sacrificing the vibe they're going for in those early episodes keeping the whole series rooted to kind of like that sort of gundam political intrigue feeling where otherwise it might not i have a question we mentioned or someone mentioned earlier that this almost feels like something that would have ordinarily been like a flashback later on in the show that was jeff do you think it would work better there or no I'm I'm just curious, like, I, well, I'm I'm wondering how you would feel about it if it were a interstitial flashback versus being this prologue. Good, but also I I don't think it would work better. It would just be doing something very different at that point. Mm-hmm. I think that I I think they could have made it still impactful, but like I don't know what it would have had to look like to be as effective as it was. I think it's going to be one of those things where, like, you're not going to know how good of an idea of a decision this was until you've seen more of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because this is a thing that is definitely wants you to have a lot of developed feelings about specific people and 
events before you get to where they're going so that you can be prepared to have lots of thoughts and or strong feelings about where they take the story, which yeah. is promising. Well, and I also think that it just, uh, I mean, we we mentioned this, but it does a really good job of like setting up the show and the, like the world of the show. Uh, it does it like the, the way it introduces you to the universe is, I think, really succinctly and well done. So I think having it anywhere other than the beginning of the show would, uh, I mean, you know, you'd obviously have to retool it, but I think you'd have to do, you'd have to take all of that and put it into episode one, which wouldn't work because episode one is a perfect story as it is. Yeah. And also like, I'm going to throw this out there, but if you turned this into a flashback episode that you play, like the easiest place to play this would be like as a flashback after episode one, where it would probably still work. But like, if they had moved this and had this be a reveal later in the show as a twist, rather than putting it all at the beginning, I think part of the reason they chose to do this as a prologue is you would have had a lot of weird Gundam grognards, just old school Gundam fans coming into this show and bemoaning it rather than getting excited by it. Because the first episode very much doesn't play... It's playing on a very different formula than Gundam tends to. And it it is kind of the point where, like, we immediately all go collectively, this is a Nutana. <laughs> and if you had done that, I think there would have been, a con- like, a contingent of the Gundam fan base who would have been very much dour about the show and grumbling until they hit this episode. And then viewed it more as, like, a messy, retroactive linking of the show to Gundam's themes rather than how they've done it here, where it's like, this has all been set out for people immediately. And the kind of people who are the most likely to complain about that are also the kind of people who devour Gundam supplemental media immediately, the moment it's available. So they are absolutely going to, you know, watch this and vibe with it. I see. Makes sense. That's 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 my my pet theory of for part of why they put it here is like it's it's there to make sure you don't have like a base breaker moment for the the fan base and everyone gets to kind of get onboarded and enjoy the show together. Interesting. Well, I mean, I feel I feel like like you have to remember that there's there's obviously different considerations for the fact that they are creating it for the for the Japanese fan base and I feel like something that sometimes is lost with something like Gundam is you have to remember that like a new Gundam show is essentially like a new Star Wars movie in Japan. It's like a big mainstream anime kind of situation. And there are expectations of what, what Gundam is. Yeah. But because they put it as a prologue, as an online prologue, that does mean that people that are watching it on TV might not have watched it. So I feel like it's designed in such a way that I feel like the show is maybe already introducing some of these concepts as well. But yeah you can delve deeper if you want. I think that's kind of the thing. Like we have, what we have to remember is that the function of a new, the commercial function of, I'm sorry to get this horrifically cynical, the commercial function of a Gundam show, a new TV show is to get new Gundam, to get new people interested in Gundam because, and that's why they're in alternate universes. Because if everything was still the old Universal Century universe that is the one that's been running since the 80s, then since 1979, for any pedantic Gundam fans in there, I know what I'm talking about, okay? <laughs> It was me. 
Yeah, but you know, that universe has been running for so long that it's really, really complicated for a general audience, even for a general Japanese audience. So it, the shows are intended for a new for to get new audiences in. So I feel like it's a way to kind of like, in some ways, tidy up the narrative a bit so that they're not too bogged down on exposition when they really, what they want to be doing in these early episodes is introduce characters with a good hook, I feel. Yeah. And the hook is called Revolutionary Girl Utena. <laughs> I think that's a very, very good point, honestly. Ugh. Before we move to episode one, I wanted to ask, um, I think we all enjoyed um, little baby Eric and her adorable bunny spacesuit. How did we feel about the other characters here? How did we feel about the way that they're depicted? I, I mean, I liked, uh, I mean, I guess I liked everybody except the bastard guy. <laughs> Uh, Delling, what's Delling Rim, Rembrandt? What is what is his name? Rembrandt. Um, yeah, Rembrandt. Rembrandt. Yeah, I got there. Um, yeah, Rembrandt. I mean, like he, like he. I don't like him, but I'm not supposed to like him because he sucks. But I, I like the the parents. I thought they were very cute. I especially like the mom. Uh, I have more thoughts about the mom later. I liked the the grandma lady. I think she was sort of irresponsible, leaving a child alone with the giant robot. <laughs> in fairness, no one could have anticipated. Well, and also, I know that in Japan, like, it is not uncommon for small children to have slightly more, like, independence and freedom. So if this was a situation where they thought she was safe, like, I, you know, I understand yeah. why that may have happened but i know my re initial reaction was why are you leaving the baby alone with the robot probably because like it's been established up to that point that no one can make the thing turn on for real yeah but she could have so, like i don't know fallen or well she's also in like something. a spacesuit, and honestly being in the cockpit of that gundam is probably safer for her than floating out and around yeah yeah fair enough <laughs> which ends up being the truth so uh points for grandma <laughs> there's a couple of things that i wanted to note before i forget about this episode and mm -hmm. because before before my migraine completely takes me before i'm consumed by the consumption like a victorian waif um <laughs> so th there's two things one is the um, what the grandma says before she gets uh murked by the narcs i believe that she... she's still alive oh you know she might still be alive we don't know but like she says something about like humanity about Earth being the cradle of humanity, and uh, I can't I can't remember the full quote. I'm sorry, but she says like a bit of that, and it's obviously I don't know what a Japanese translation of this would be, but there's a very 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 famous quote about astronomy by the Russian scientist Konstantin Tsiolkovsky, who said Earth is the cradle of humanity, but one cannot live in the cradle forever because he was talking about space colonization. He was talking about this in the 1910s. Dude was a genius. Anyway, and that is one of the sort of like imp like sort of scientific basis for the ideas of Gundam that are about space colonization and space exploration. Mm -hmm. And I just found it really interesting that she uses this specific phrase of the cradle of humanity, which is what Konstantin Tsiolkovsky said. I'm so sure that was one thing I wanted to point an out. intentional reference. Oh yeah. It, 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 it probably is considering how steeped Gundam is in old space colonization like science. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I wanted to point out is that in the, having in the first episode the Lefrith Gundam, it has that shield that kind of breaks up into like flying weapons that fly around. And extremely dope. The, having, making, I mean, obviously that is also in the first episode of the show, but like, 
I feel like having that in the prologue is also like a way of like setting up how different this universe is because usually if a Gundam show has these kind of weapons, which are usually called anything from remote weapons or funnels, usually this is end game weaponry in a Gundam show. This is like if the protagonist gets this, they will get it in the final run of episodes. Like in Gundam Age, for example, it happened like in the very last run of episodes. So having it at the very beginning in the show is also like setting it apart for any returning Gundam customers. Yep. Uh, it definitely blew my mind because I was I was coming into this off of Iron-Blooded Orphans, which goes almost the opposite vibe with the technology in that a lot of the tech the protagonist uses, rather than being cutting edge and new, like old and mothballed because it was way too screwed up. Yeah. And that show tended a lot more toward like high, high impact kinetic weaponry to set it apart from other Gundams. And... It's wild how quickly they they flipped that there. I kind of wonder if some of that isn't to do with the fact that um, this is the first Gundam series for mainline television to have a female protagonist because you can kind of there's a soft association from female between female characters and weapons like this. It's not like a you know whenever these weapons show up, it's going to be the lady who gets them because uh, like there's obvious obvious outliers to that all over the place. But the first character to show up in a series with funnels was um alice help me out here it was lala soon in the original series yes yeah lala with the elmeth and then uh the second one is haman khan in seda gundam with the cubelay which is actually in the original designs of seda gundam was called the elmeth 2 and actually i have the original high grade universal century kit of the cubelay which actually has elmeth 2 engraved in the back of it and uh yes i agree like a lot of these like the funnels and stuff were associated with like female characters and i think there is a part of that which is that the new type the weaponry that they were i'm going to try to unjargon this uh the weaponry that they were using is like kind of like mind-controlled weaponry and it's kind of depicted as monstrous and there is gundam has a complicated history with gender we don't need to get into it but there is like a conflation of like powerful female pilots in early gundam having a bit of a conflation with the exotic and the monstrous to a degree. Yeah. Because Yoshiyuki Tomino had some issues with gender that he needed to work out. He worked them out by the time of Turn A Gundam. Turn A Gundam is good. Please watch it. <laughs> well, I mean, they are calling her a, a witch in yeah. the show. Yes. By the way, um, the witch thing specifically was actually not applied to her. Um, it's originally applied to the pilot, the test pilots for the Gundam project. Because the idea is that, it, you know, because it's kind of spooky technology. And uh-huh. so those who are able to actually interface with it at a deeper level start to be called witches because it is unsettling. Well, don't, I mean, doesn't she get called a witch in later episodes of the yes, show? Yes, we're not sure if that's convergent, just a, like a thing that happened organically or if they are deliberately calling back to that. Okay. Yeah, we, not from what I've seen so far. Why, why witch? Or is it just because it's, spooky scary is it because it sounds cool like um because the technology kind of pushes the bounds of what's possible for most people like if you think about what they're actually doing when she's operating those things imagine flying a plane and also flying four drones at once with your mind okay and that's kind of what's happening there because she does use her we when we see soleta pilot and spoilers that eric is soleta we'll get there yeah, we do see her using her actual physical control interface multiple times, mm-hmm. but a lot of the moments we see her do that in, it's very clear that she is kind of being almost 
helped out by the machine's internal systems. And if you don't know what's going on, you might assume that this is just like a really, really advanced cockpit. But what's actually going on there is it appears to be that she's sort of kind of psychically linked to the machine to an extent, which is a long running trope in Gundam. Okay. I was about to ask if this is like a Gundam main Yeah, the, yes. the original mobile suit Gundam introduced new types who are basically Jedi. Ah, uh, yes, I, I'm familiar with the new types. Uh, is like the closest like trope I can give you to that. What if Jedi, but instead of being space monks, you're just really, really sensitive to the universe and to other people around you? Okay. And one of the first ways that as the universal century goes on, that people start to actually weaponize new types is building weapons that require this intense spatial understanding of your surroundings that new types inherently have. And the next stage of that is almost always like some variety of psychic link with your, your cockpit that is almost always at some kind of cost to the pilot. Gotcha. So that, that's a trope that runs super deep all through Gundam. Okay. Yes, it's the original show. I'm probably at some point I'm actually I've actually been working I, I was actually working today on uh Big Sippy episodes at one point we, uh, me and Cass are probably going to do an entire one on just the concept of new types. Mm-hmm. But before we get into that, I will ha- we have to finish this to do that. We need to talk about episode 1 cuz that's the reason we're here. Yeah, that's true. Really cool. Okay. Uh I could I could do the um the bullet points. Sure. Get a yeah. recap here. So we start with Soleta Mercury uh, in the cockpit of her mobile suit in a transport. She is apparently based. She's apparently opted to ride inside of the Gundam instead of riding like in a passenger compartment. It is looking out at the with at the video feed at the new school she is attending, which is a massive state space station. She is really excited about her new school. She's freaking out over how it's going to be great, and she's always wanted to go to school. Because apparently she's been in the ass crack of nowhere on Mercury and there are no schools there. And she's going to the Asakasia School of Technology. I've said that wrong, but I don't care. And while she's looking at the video feeds, just moon over how excited she is about this big old space station, she sees someone in a spacesuit. By the way, you see the video feed she's looking at. You cannot see that person. She has eagle eyes. This is foreshadowing, I think. She sees this person floating around in a spacesuit by themselves away from the station, floating away from the station, and she panics because that's dangerous. You can die out there without oxygen. So she struggles free of the docking clamps without permission, and when they ask her to stop doing that, she tells them that she has to rescue someone and that she's not going to wait for, for a rescue team. And the guy running, uh, driving the transport just kind of gives up. He's like, okay, fine. <laughs> And lets her out, and she goes and rescues the person while holding out her Gundam's arms. This scene is beautiful, by the it's way. So beautiful. I'm pretty sure it's also kind of a reference to some stuff from the original series. And she opens her cockpit and holds out like a hand to grab the spacesuit person who is not happy <laughs> and gets her into the cockpit where we learn her name is I cannot say this. Mirene. I'm sorry. Mary super pissed because she was trying to escape. Yeah, uh, as Suleta was like lowering down to try and grab her, she's like making like frantic gestures like, no, don't pick me up. And Suleta mistakes this as her being like, oh God, I'm out of oxygen. (laughs) (laughs) It's very endearing. It's really good. 
they get back in and um they kind of meet up again inside and she's explained that she was trying to run away and you know like you're gonna have to take responsibility for this you've ruined my plan Suleta's very baffled but like you can tell she's also kind of excited to be able to talk to people her own age at a school and this is it's really it's a wonderful little it's kind of a meet cute until a duel breaks out in mobile suits on the practice field <laughs> that this school has an entire practice field that is a battlefield sized thing this duel gets out of hand because the winner of it is a massive jerk. He's space energy. He, um, you might say he's a Jeturk. His name yeah. is Guo Jeturk. If you look We've at how it's great spelled, Gundam names in this show, folks. I know. Oh, you do. If you look at how that's spelled, you realize that it, it looks like it, it rhymes with duel, which is extremely funny. Yeah, uh, my wife was laughing about that earlier while I was rewatching episode one. Guol Jewel. You can't out duel the jewel. <laughs> Honestly, Sionji is better. Has at least more style. He had a whole aesthetic going. Um, but he almost gets her... He almost crushes Suleta with the other mobile suit that he is just taking to town. And Mio saves her, pushes her out of the way. And Suleta then proceeds to follow her around like a lost puppy. But not before the winner of the duel climbs out of his uh, mobile suit and brags about how she's definitely his fiance because he won a duel for the honor of marrying her and the engagement which we don't have a lot of detail about and that so long as he is undefeated by her or someone else then he gets to marry her and she has to abide by it because those are the rules <laughs> and she reacts as if this is ridiculous but also like doesn't say that it she did do him, and she storms off. Soleta still being a lost puppy when she when Miorene goes to her little garden. She has a garden. She has a garden. <laughs> she is. She has a fiance who won her in a duel in a garden. Fascinating. I wonder where that's going to go. She grows and tomatoes. She grows tomatoes from Earth because her mother was from Earth. <laughs> I always want you to keep going because this was, we were like in perfect scene. She wants to escape the school specifically to go to Earth. We don't know, other than the fact that her mom is from Earth, we don't know exactly what her plans are. That's a reversal from Gundam usually. <laughs> and so while she is tending, she's kind of irritated, but like, at least for my money, I can I see that she wants to let it get out of her hair, but also kind of just wants to help her because she can't help it she gives her contact info and directions to where her dorm would be against her better judgment it is what she would think uh she's becoming yeah. endeared to suleta and in the middle of this jewel shows up with his little pack of cronies and tries to mac on her again which she doesn't like and when she rejects him he throws a piss baby tantrum and starts destroying her garden and it's awful, and I hate it, and it makes me it's, so mad. Listener, if you imagine the scene with Sionji in the garden when she when he slaps Anthony, it has some of that energy. It's just yeah. such a like abusive partner thing to like yeah, immediately target the thing that you know makes this person happy. Soleta, who we really need to, we really need to cannot emphasize enough how much Soleta is. An anxious disaster. And she's asking 
ghouls cronies to like maybe you guys should, should do something and they're like they're like whatever who the who the heck cares about what you think and then if you'll do the honors and then realizing that no one is gonna help her um she can't take anymore and Selena barges in and having heard that duels are how things are decided in this school that's familiar she challenges him to a duel and if she wins he leaves Mjorne alone you missed an and important if she part loses what you missed the fact that the first thing that she does before challenging him is slap him in the ass <laughs> yes she does real hard it's really good it's real good and he's she's like you can't you, you can't treat people like this it's just like a pure anxious energy i really admire how much she like has to stand up for what she knows is right, but she is also quaking in her little country bumpkin boots the whole time. Yes. It does the whole, like, if I lose, then I have to leave, and if you lose, you have to leave her alone thing, which Miorne does not appreciate. How dare you get involved in my affairs? <laughs> Random. We have established that being from Mercury means that she is a country bumpkin in space. Yep. And they call her that frequently. They do. Uh, they're very mean about it. And there's going to be a duel. We get to the duel. They're all set up. And as they're introducing themselves and uh, being acknowledged by the referee guy, it turns out that Soleta is not in that cockpit. Miorne is. She stole Soleta's Gundam because, god damn it, no one else is going to fight on her behalf in a duel for her. She's again. fighting for her own hand. I mean that that is actually probably what her end game was. Yeah. Like if I win then then I my my own fiance and no one will ever be able to deal with me again. And very quickly discovers that this Gundam is weird and she can't figure out where the weapons are and nothing works the way it's supposed to. <laughs> and immediately starts getting bodied. So freaking out, Soleta runs all the way up to the practice field, onto the field. On a Segway. It it gets on a Segway and plows through Battlefield to the the mech, climbs in there, commandeers it, at which point they decide, okay, fuck it, it's it's 1v2 now. And they duel, kind of together, but mostly Soleta doing the actual work. (laughs) They duel, duel together, and by duel, I mean that they curb stomp him. Yeah, the photos come out and just, like, cut his, his mobile suit into, like, ten pieces. Literally cut it to pieces. It is... Absolutely devastating. Frankly hilarious. And she wins. Yay, good. See, I just wanted to help you. It turns out that winning the duel means that you are technically now engaged to the totally not Gundam Bride. You become the holder. And you get a special uniform. Uniform, which just happens to you. Because uh-huh. I guess nanotechnology or something. And uh-huh. she's just like... Machine, son. And here comes the greatest point in this whole thing for me. Which is where she's flustered about, but but we're both girls thing. To which she is cut off. And Mjorne remarks that, oh yeah, that's right, you're from Mercury. Things are probably kind of weird and old and insular and old fashioned there. Yeah, this is really normal everywhere else. <laughs> Being is now canon. We have canonized gay marriage in the Gundam universe. Uh, everybody say thank you, Miorne. That sounds Mjornay. like a, like if I had said that to myself a couple years ago, I, I would have assumed it was a shit post. 
about something. Yeah. But no, like they legitimately turned to the camera and said, being gay is good, actually. Being gay is cool now. <laughs> Literally. I'll have some stuff to say about this and Yuri in a minute, but we can, but yeah. So the thing that um, Suleta says when she's in the mobile suit, and she said it in the garden, she said it multiple times this episode, about how, like, was it, like, running away, you get one, but moving forward, you get two? Yes. It's, like, very clearly, this is a saying her mom gave her from the thing that happened in the prologue. Yes. When she ran away. Like, it's very obvious that that's exactly I just what got that. Because she ran away instead of going to help her husband, and her husband died, right? And mm-hmm. that, was, that was it. And I just I just thought, like, oh, because I didn't notice that until, like, the second episode. I'm like, oh, wait a second. That's, oh, yeah, that's what it is. I'm glad that the most recent canon gay couple in a Gundam series is just full on, and no disrespect, by the way, to IBO, which is my actual favorite Gundam series, no longer something that people can like dodge around by going like, well, obviously these two were uh, only married because they're the remainder of a thruple whose uh, third member burned himself out and died in the Gundam because someone orbital bombarded him with a rod from God. Does that happen in Iron-Blooded Orphans? Yes, it does. Iron-Blooded Orphans is really good. Uh, it is depressing as hell. I think if we I don't watch like Iron-Blooded Orphans. We could talk about that some other time. Anyway. Uh, Join us for yeah. Big Steppy when we talk about Iron-Blooded Orphans. Anyway. I did edit the episode where you talked about it. Hey, if you if you want if you want to have me if you want to have me talk about the ending, I can talk about the ending and why it's why the show is good and the ending is bad. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> you guys think. absolutely have to do uh, a guest episode with Pharaoh for sure. Big Steppy on me. Mm. <laughs> I do actually have written into my um, episode ideas thing. Um, get Mar convince Maro to come on Maro to come on to talk about um, Macross and or Robotech. Yes, because I, I will. I, I like know Bounce so much Tech. about the. Yeah, there's no I convincing. I to watch there. Robotech even for Big Steffi. I don't want to go down the rabbit hole that far. I like Battletech, so this is like a. I, it's this thing that I can I get approached from an entirely separate, different angle, and together we could like get both. So, but it's okay. You do not need to watch Robotech. I have watched Robotech for you. <laughs> I watched it several times when I was a child, and I will never watch it again. Mary laid down her robot body for your sins. I also, I also have never watched it in English because I have watched five minutes of what it sounds like in English, and the Latin American dub definitely elevates it by having some of the most famous voice actors Latin America ever produced for anime, such it's as Jesus Barreto. So. We can, we can talk about that some other time. But um, but about this, I was going to say, uh, we can get into this a bit more. We're obviously not going to spoil stuff for the other episodes. But I will say that when I first watched this episode, I was like, I'm extremely happy, extremely hype. I started typing in every Discord I knew. I said, <laughs> Utina Gaze, stay winning. But I was also ready for plausible deniability. Because, like, okay, yeah. we're going to have to talk a bit about the history of the Yuri genre here. And we're going to have to talk a bit about the recent history of it. Oh, no. I would hate to talk about the history of Yuri on my podcast. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's the worst, oh, no. the worst conversation topic I could imagine. Yeah, but like... Please take it from uh, here. So Yuri is a complicated genre with a complicated history because of the subject matter, which, you know, it has the girls holding the hands and sometimes doing the kissings and sometimes, you know what I mean, the, the, the bees and the bees, if you know, know what I'm saying. 
sex did die for this. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you can't careless whisper like this. Heck yeah. yeah. So it's a, it's a complicated genre because it has like a history that a lot of it is like innuendo and implications. And I would say like, well, there's been throughout the entire history of the genre, there's, more, there's been more like that. There's a lot of the root of the genre that is all about like school settings and innuendo. Like the, 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 I'm not, listen, I'm not going to like literally tell you everything that is in Erica Friedman's By Your Side, The First Hundred Years of Yuri. You should read that book if you're listening to this podcast. We did have Erica Friedman on the podcast. Uh, you did. A while back. You did. Wait, we had Erica Friedman on this podcast and no one told me? I thought you knew. <laughs> no! No one tells me any of these things. I did. That's I on Alice. That episode. <laughs> Alice, you had Erica Friedman on this podcast and you didn't tell me? God. We did. I'm your wife. <laughs> top, 10 anime, top 10 anime betrayals. Anyway. <laughs> Alice has never betrayed anyone in her entire life. Let's be real. Is. Because there's been a lot of, like, innuendo in the history of Yuri. Yuri and because, like, even... You know, the more mainstream something is, the more innuendo the Yuri tends to be. Like, I'm going to give you, like, the perfect example that I have for this that is very relevant to this is the Love Life franchise, which is a anime idol franchise. And the anime are all made by Sunrise. And in fact, there's a lot of staff members in this that, that are, that have done work in Love Life, that have done, like, key animation or directed an episode or two. I think the director of this show directed some episodes of Love Live, which did not surprise me. Yeah. But Love Live has a lot of Yuri in it. It's baked into the DNA of it. The main writer for most of Love Live, his stock in trade is that he writes the scripts of Yuri anime adaptations. Like he wrote the script of the Bloom Into You anime adaptation. So all of that is baked into Love Live. But in Love Live, a lot of the Yuri is very, you know, it's very implied. No girls ever actually, you know, kiss or actually date. But yep. there's a lot of implied stuff. And when I watched the first episode of this, I was like, okay, I'm very happy with this, but I'm also ready for them to like undo it in the second episode for them to, I mean, you know, I'm still concerned. I'm still like, you know, keeping an eye that they might plausible deniability it or whatever. But when you've watched the second episode, when you've seen the actual opening and ending animation <laughs> of this show, they are going, they're not just, they're not just alluding to Eurotropes. They are diving head first into Eurotropes. If you watch the ending animation of this show and you tell me this stuff is not gay, I probably you probably never read any Yuri manga or watched any Yuri anime. The only thing I've seen more Yuri than this is just the opening of Yurikuma. And Yurikuma's opening is 99% Yonic imagery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's all. It, there's no subtext. It's just text. Well, the, <laughs> like one. the... Um, you know the classic the classic thing of like Utena and Anthe kind of like being laid down kind of clockwise to each other. Oh yeah, I mean, right? I I posted I I had a tweet pop off on the podcast account because I posted side by side the the image of the two of them floating together like that and Utena and Anthe from the opening, and I said I can't believe they've done this. Well, the thing is, there was another tweet that popped off that I can't find now that had those. But it also had the opening for Bloom Into You, which also has that. The opening, I think, of maybe Adachi and Shimamura, which also has that. They did that same pose in uh, Sailor Moon Crystal Season 3 with uh, Hotaru and Chibusa. There you go. You know, so so this show... It's not just show, Utena, but it is also... Yeah. No, but I would say that Utena, Utena originated that, vis that specific visual, I'm pretty sure. Probably. 
So the thing is, like, while this is drawing very specifically on Utena, I would like this is also drawing on the fact that the the history of Yuri is the history of high school anime about girls shooting longing glances at each other, maybe finding each other together, drawn by destiny, you know, maybe by accident, and then finding that they like each other. There's just like a lot of stuff in this that is like completely traditional. One might say basic <laughs> Yuri tropes, like complete, what, what Erica Friedman calls, I think, story A, I think she would call it. Mm-hmm. There's like a lot of that in this. And that is why, that is what surprised me. That's what excited me about this. Because like when I, you know, when I watch a new Gundam show, as a long time returning Gundam customer, all I want is for the show to be, to be good. I just want it to be well-written, exciting battles, interesting concepts. I want to see the robots in space. I want to see the robots in space. I want to see the space politics. I want to see commentary on current politics, maybe. And just, you know, just, fun you know interesting stuff that like that but i never really exactly expect the shows to specifically cater to my extremely current tastes and narratives which in the last year as we have discussed is yuri i did not expect that it was just going to go a hundred percent in that direction and again they might ruin it who the heck knows the show is still <laughs> coming out but so far it's uh I never in a million years would have expected that a mainstream show like Gundam would go this hard on Eurotropes. Do you well, know what I mean? mean? I know we're not specifically talking about like the plots of the rest of the show, but has everyone, is everyone caught up as of this uh, recording of four episodes have come out? I have not seen three or four yet. Okay. I haven't seen four. I'm fully caught up. I'm okay. fully caught up. So like, are, are you still like, I'm still pretty hot. Like I'm, I'm still like super uh, high on this, even like four episodes in. How are you, uh, how are you feeling as far as like, I don't know, just overall opinion, like as it's, as it's going. Oh, I'm, I am, I am 100% invested in the show. I've been saying to people that as again, returning Gundam customer, I have never liked the Gundam show this much this early. like. I've enjoyed Gundam shows from the very beginning, a lot of them, but I've never been completely into the universe and the characters as much as I am into this one because Suleta has to be the most instantly likable or interesting. Like Gundam main characters don't exactly have a history of being likable, but (laughs) she's not just likable. She's also really interesting as a character because she has all the hallmarks of a shonen protagonist of like, you know, believe in the future believe in you know not giving up and at the same time instead of being like you know strong like, like you know very like uh stubborn or anything she's she's an anxious mess and that's a f- really interesting combination you know so i would say like for now i am completely i'm completely invested because like they're doing something completely different i feel to to normal gundam and and it's working so far it's working really well in my opinion i hadn't thought about that but you're right that a lot of gundam protagonists tend to be if not unlikable then sort of like recalcitrant heroes to a degree at least when they start out yeah. i mean the the classic like og original level two gundam's protagonist is a like teenage boy who likes to dabble with machines and does and is doesn't want to actually take responsibility for anything because you know this is a bad situation he is literally like 16 years old it's so radically different, but I really like her. She's Soleta's yeah. instantly endearing. Everything she does is like built in a laboratory to be perfectly endearing to me. 
Yeah. Yeah, we didn't mention, but there's the, there's the whole scene where she eats that tomato. It's oh, wonderful. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, she just eats it like it's a fucking apple. Which is how I eat tomatoes, so I relate. <sighs> it's delicious. In the words of George Costanza, it's weird that the tomato never took off as a hand fruit. <laughs> <laughs> tomatoes were meant to be sauteed. <laughs> but yeah, it's a. I feel like it's a very refreshing thing, and I feel we'll get into this in a bit, but it's the magic that makes Gundam continue, you know, that it can do different things. And, you know, I feel like they're they're definitely going for something different. They definitely wanted their first uh, female protagonist in the main TV shows to be different. Like the the whole point of Amuro, like Gundam protagonists, as we've been saying, they really come mostly from Amuro Ray, the protagonist of the original series. And they're not all in this mold, but most of them tend to follow the mold of being a bit unlikable, a bit weird, a bit a bit difficult to get along with. Because the whole point of Amuro Ray when the gun when the original Gundam came out in 1979 is that most of the protagonists of mecha anime up until that point were hot-blooded shonen heroes. And there were there was there was nuance within that, there was a spectrum within that, but they were mostly like, oh yeah, I'm going to like go on there and fight for justice. And I have like a I'm, I'm like hot-blooded, you know. And Amura Ray was this fucked up guy who was literally the epitome of like girl, you live like this, and was completely antisocial and was a bit of a computer savant. And at the same time, he was completely unreliable in the battlefield. And the show is about actually fighting a war. And so it's this really interesting thing where the main character is kind of an obstacle to the to the to the rest of the main cast in many yeah, ways. Yeah, like wasn't it in the Rizza Gundam that like the reason he could pilot was he's the only person that read the fucking manual, basically. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And I th- so a lot of other Gundam protagonists are kind of in that mold that where they are like unlikely heroes uh they usually have some kind of trauma and that makes me very interesting in a in a different way but you know suleta is more in the kind of less traditional sense of characters like lauren from turn a gundam who is not like that and is actually a very good boy or girl depending on how you say it Nice. Yeah, and I, I feel like they did that like back in the day because like Gundam at its core is is it's a story about war, right? Like the mobile suits are there, but they're they're tools of war to fight a war, and like having like a hot blooded like protagonist in those cases like kind of runs counter to the messes they were trying to get through of this thing that war sucks and it's bad and everyone <laughs> gets involved and gets hurt. Well, which is why the first time that Gundam, well, Gundam had. Judo Ashta, we don't need to go into double say a complicated, complicated topic, but like when Gundam properly did the old school super robot shonen protagonist, they did it in Mobile Fighter G Gundam, which is a parody show that it can best be defined as what if Street Fighter 2 had robots in it? Yes. Yeah. Can I can I tell you, I guess, my history of Gundam real quick, since I, I didn't mention it earlier? Sure. Go for it. So I've I watched the like the like the two or three like Gundam like kind of movies that they redid the original series with and like Charles Contact and like the, those like theatrical ones, G Gundam and this that's all. Oh, oh and, and um, War in the Pocket, which is very good, uh, yeah. and that that is my entire experience with the Gundam franchise in anime. Aside from like seeing that clip over and over, like that one guy saying he's gonna kill that lady if she like hands him a letter or something. <laughs> I don't know what that's up with that. <laughs> Oh my, okay. Wait, we're talking about, I'll destroy <laughs> you. Yes, that. 
God, did if it, I had an it? extra spot in the soundboard, I have that clip because I edit it into Big Steppy all the There's time. No context for that whatsoever. I don't know what's going on there. No, the, you have all the context. That's literally the, the you got the entire point of it. It's just <laughs> the entire thing God. is that she walks up and she hands him an invitation to her birthday party, and he says, "I'll kill you." destroy you in the english dub god yeah Uh, that's that's gundam wing that's from gundam wing by the way from new mobile gundam wing so like i like everything basically everything i've seen in 7g gundam is like what the universe the original like plot line of gundam like where it's like all these things happen in order and that's like it and then war in the pocket is like in that universe still it's like a kind of a side story so like i don't know anything about like basically anything in the last like 15 years i guess it's a lot <laughs> at of good least stuff. if not more i would say more yeah there's a lot of good stuff that you've missed starting with turning on them and then uh, <laughs> and then moving on from there there's there's a lot of good stuff in there there's like you know the gundam seed shows definitely happened and um not not trying to imply that in any way they were good um <laughs> Especially not the second one. Definitely not the second one. Gundam Double O is, is is decent. I feel Gundam's done non war stories before. Yeah, I haven't seen yeah. any of them except Gundam. It's it like more recently the the build series. Yeah, of which I am unironically a fan of two of the three of them. Oh yeah, oh they're great. And the third one I haven't actually seen. I might like it, but like it is. It's not like Gundam's not has has never done the school story anime thing before. It's just like what they've done in the past. It was definitely not like this. It was nowhere near like this. Well, I would say they did it. The closest that they did it was in the build shows. And to to bring the layperson in on what the build shows mean, the build shows are shows in which basically they are a love letter to the not just Gundam as a meta series, but also the specifically model building. Yeah, yeah, which is a a hobby that evolved parallel. And obviously, growing out of the shows, but also in many ways, it's its own. It, it's also its own thing. So the shows, the build shows, are basically anime that are all about stories in which people build these models and fight with them because there's usually some kind of soft science bibble about like you can the plastic particles get... let the the joints yeah. of the the plastic models move around and simulate particle yeah. beams. You can <laughs> yeah, you put the model kit in a machine that just like moves it, and you're basically playing like a 3d action game but it's your actual model kit so that's like the that's like the, and the, the how you build your model shows. kit determines the performance because that's that's a very important part of this it's a love yeah. letter to kit bashing and conversions which is someone who's yeah. gotten into warhammer i love it even more now for doing that because i get it now yeah and those are those are more kind of traditional shonen style anime like going just by build fighters and build fighters try because i haven't finished build divers but like so those shows are like in many ways they are like simpler shows but they are somewhat less less beginner unfriendly less beginner friendly because like they they rely a lot on like references yeah you you really need to if you go into to build divers and you don't know what the fact that like there are multiple references to uh amaro ray that are just kind of like a a near drip feed with uh say and reiji the fact that like their class president tatsuya is like his theme music is literally a char asnable reference yes it's it's just three times the passion of ordinary flamenco because char char has three times the speed of an ordinary zaku yeah and literally the main character's mentor 
is a guy who seems to be an in-universe weird dude that dresses, looks like, sounds like, and has the name of a character from the original series in a way that makes absolutely no sense when you think about it for two seconds. But he's just there, and he's like, he's like sort of the mentor as Mr. Rao. You know, and if you don't know the original series, you don't know who this guy is. But if you have a passing familiarity with the original series, then you would. But it's like, like a, yes. oh, Rob Rao is... We finally found the universe where Ron Burrell gets to be like the old uh, middle-aged grandpa he always could have been. Exactly. But yeah. so like, so like I would say, yeah, Gundam has done like settings that weren't war, but I would say in the more, like the build shows, I would say they would probably count as like, like the mainline shows are usually considered to be the one, the, the, all the others, right? So all the others do, I would say, deal with war as like a major subject even g gundam which on what? its surface is just street fighter 2 with robots is about preventing a war because the tournament that they're fighting on is about was invented to war. get rid of war and yeah. there's a running theme of like did we replace war with something better or does this have its own costs is maybe the struggle to rule space as bad as war in a way g gundam is is extremely good but yes. also it's extremely weird it's very strange. It's also G Gundam kind of racist. Is the most intelligent show I've ever seen be as racist as it is. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, kind of racist. It's kind of not gonna lie. It's a bit, you know, it's good. Yeah, uh, I think you know, like, about the tequila gun. Global suit from the Netherlands is a, is a windmill. So like, listen, listen. Like the Dutch, the Dutch had it coming. <laughs> don't you besmirch Hurricane Gundam like that? I am on my dad's side, technically part Dutch, and I can say that the Hurricane Gundam is the proudest contribution we have ever or will ever make. Because unlike everybody else, the Dutch made a million of them because all of the windmills on Neo Holland transform into Gundams in the dumbest yeah. sequence of all time. And it's they are amazing. worthless. In the, in the future, the only part of the Netherlands that survived is Holland. Frizia blown the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> uh also uh the less we say about neo mexico the better mm, yeah yeah, yeah uh-huh. well or the fact that neo iraq's mobile suit is the scud gundam oh god i forgot the, about that named after saddam hussein's scud missiles yep i forgot oh yeah god, i forgot about that it's that a is... problem you guys are saying so many words i would like to say at this juncture that if you are listening to this, you're one of our normal listeners, and you've not had any experience with Gundam, putting putting G Gundam aside, because I think it's worth watching, even if it is a thing that exists. It is. I highly recommend, if you have never seen Gundam, you can watch Witch for Mercury, and you will probably like it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, it's I got did. Something, it's got something for you in there. And if yeah. you do watch it after listening to this, and you want to maybe try another Gundam show, there will be a Gundam out there for you. Mario, you actually wanted to talk briefly about about this, how the like, Gundam is not one thing, it's actually a bunch of different things, and yeah. there's a lot of sort of diversity of what Gundam can be here. And I think it might yeah. be a good like time a to do that. Yeah, so here's the thing, right? I'm going, going to do a, a tiny bit of a history lesson over here. So the original Gundam comes out in 1979, Eventually, it finds it's not successful at the beginning. It eventually finds its audience, and there are many continuations that come out throughout the eighties. And all of these continuations are in the old continuity called the Universal Century. Okay. Now, the thing is, 
for Gundam's 15th anniversary, we get we get G Gundam, which is the one that we've been talking about. And as you may realize from what we've been talking about G Gundam, it's not so much a show about war in space. It's a show about uh, people doing fisticuffs and robots. It's very, very different. And that kind of set the tone for the fact that Gundam was already within the realm of manga, for example, becoming different things to different people. I think nowadays you could say that Gundam explores some similar themes sometimes, like it definitely talks about issues of imperialism and colonialism and space warfare and the, the real cost of war because the original Gundam, it was a show created by Yoshiyuki Tamino who put a lot of his experiences as a child growing up in World War II. He put that in the show. And that's why, you know, Zia, like basically the bad guys are Imperial Japan and the good guys are World War II America. And they're kind of not shown as being really that good because complicated, because history is complicated. But what I'm trying to get at here is that eventually Gundam evolves in such a way that because they start creating all these alternate universes, as I mentioned earlier, to try to get new people, new audiences into Gundam, and it works, Gundam starts having a lot of different vibes. So yes, you can expect that a Gundam show is going to have robots called Gundams. It's going to have some kind of pilot, but it's going to have like completely different like tones and and vibes. And I feel like a lot of the time, if you're someone that, that hasn't watched mecha anime, there is in the English-speaking anime fan world, and I want to emphasize how extremely localized that is to the English-speaking anime <laughs> world, because nobody else does this anywhere else. This is completely a function of the way that anime fandom has evolved in the English-speaking world. People have a bit of a prejudice against mecha anime. And it's born out of, I'm sorry to say, ignorance. Like, you will very frequently hear people say, I don't like mecha anime, but I love Evangelion. It's the best one. Which mm -hmm. other ones have you watched? None of them. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they'll say, I love Evangelion, Code Geass, and Tengen Toba Gurren Lagann, and I will not watch any other mecha anime because I don't need to. And it's mm -hmm. like, those anime are, well, I mean, two of them are good. Code Geass is the other one. And um, <laughs> that's okay. We don't, we don't, we don't. Well, we there don't there to, was we also, there was that. a similar phase of like people who would do that, who would like watch stuff like Madoka, but not watch any other magical girl and be like, oh, I don't need to because I've seen Madoka Magica. It's the um I love all music except rapid country of anime. Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. it's, well, it's 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 the it's what what in what in literature is called a genre bias, like the way that a lot of people are like, well, you can't consider science fiction or fantasy proper literature. It's literally the exact same kind of bias. Mm -hmm. And it's born out of the fact that a lot of the big names of mecha anime did not get imported into the English speaking world for several complicated historical reasons. Namely, Macros and its sequels got very spotty imports for complicated robotic-related reasons that we're not going to go into. And so the problem with that is that people have a very limited view of what they, they think mecha anime is. And if you look at the history of Gundam, it's a franchise that has existed for uh, 43 years now. And it's managed to survive this long because it's constantly reinventing itself. We have the, you know, you like shonen fighting anime? Well, you have G Gundam, but you also have the Build Fighter series, their tournament anime, right? Uh, that are toy-based, that are very merchandise-based. Mm -hmm. You want, like, seinen, you know, seinen political drama. Well, you can get into, like, some of the, like, 80s Gundam. You can get into Gundam 0080, which is a very kind of seinen take on, like, the horrors of war. Do you like the homoerotic undertones of Top Gun? There's a Gundam for you. It's called Gundam 0083, Stardust Memory. You know, <laughs> the animation's very good. The story kind of isn't. But 
you know, there is kind of, you know, do you like shows that star five pretty boys with distinct element or distinct kind of like elements and techniques? Maybe you watch Saint Seiya as a kid. Well, there's Gundam Wing is over there, you know? Maybe you like the words of Hayao Miyazaki, the futuristic illustrations of Sid Mead, the beautiful music of Yoko Kano, and the character designs of Street Fighter and Darkstalkers Akira Yasuda. Well, for you, my friend, only the best, and that's Turn A Gundam. I have so much to look into. Everything from these... Yeah, taking notes. The, the Tomino, who uh, is the guy... I don't want to say he's the guy who created Gundam because it's a collaborative art, but the guy who was very much at the heart of the initial genesis of Gundam as a thing. To put this in context, he was inspired by Heinlein. The mobile suit starts as him trying to do the mobile infantry from Starship Troopers. The original Gundam starts with the same pedigree as, and, and in the same conversations abroad as you get the golden ty- giants of science fiction. It's a it's a contemporary of the Silver Age writers of science fiction. And the image that in the Anglosphere people have of what Mecca is, is very not connected to what it is. Yeah. Like, you, you can't, like, 1979, 1980, Mobile Suit Gundam is, when I, when I try to tell people what they should look at to get a sense of what classic science, hard sci-fi is, Gundam is literally on the list of three. I get the vibe that a lot of people in the Anglosphere, when they think of, like, when they think of a mecha anime, what they're thinking of is like, I don't know, like Voltron. Yeah, and Voltron, speaking of, going off what Mario said earlier, Voltron actually did end up here. And Well, that's what I mean. Like, they're thinking of like, I saw like Voltron as a kid, so I know what mecha anime is. The original Voltron that came over here, frankly, the dub was not really great. No. And it wasn't very well supported. And that just, you know, stuff like that leaves this unfortunate sort of like cultural memory that, you know, is still banging around. But hey, if you watch this and you liked it, there is probably a there's probably a Gundam or a Mecha anime for you. Tomino said at one point that when they thought they weren't going to be able to finish Mobile Suit Gundam, that the demographic that shot him, that was the most fervently supportive and loved Gundam, no matter what diehard fans were young women. Yeah. Like yeah. the, mm-hmm. what you think this demographics and the appeal of, of Mecha in general and Gundam in specific are, I guarantee you they're not what you think they are. Mary, you should yeah. make like a you quiz where people can like select like things they like from like a list and it'll give them a Gundam that they should watch. Oh, I mean, there, there's some there's some stuff like that already. But like, I think out there, there's definitely like a there was like a guy that, that was like, what should be your gateway Gundam, I believe. I mean, I don't know. I haven't looked at it in a long time, but like. It's very well known that, for example, Gundam is at the root of the BL fandom. You know, yeah, I was gonna it, I just ask that just now, um, Alice. So you said that um, I immediately what I thought of was the fandom around Star Trek. Yep. Yeah, it, it's it very much the same phenomenon. It's very much the same phenomenon, and like a lot, a lot of it is also for the fact that like Gun, the original Gundam. What it was doing is it was grabbing a lot of the tropes that existed at the time on the much more 
I would say, limited genre of mecha anime that existed at the time and crossing them with stuff that came from space opera. We have to remember, the original Gundam comes out in 1979. The 70s are the decade of shoujo manga. They're the decade where shoujo manga takes off. Now, this is the thing that I always like to say. What was the biggest anime of 1979? Historically, we could say probably Mobile Suit Gundam. But in terms of what people in Japan were actually interested in and watching, well, the original Gundam got cancelled for low ratings, so it wasn't that. The biggest anime of 1979, the most prestige, the most like admired and highly rated and highly budget for a TV one was The Rose of Versailles. I knew it! Yup! You know? And you have to remember, this that's the era we're talking about. It's an era where, like, anime is breaking away from the conventions of it being a com- strictly commercial enterprise to sell toys to children and starts being about telling more complex stories and kind of expanding the possibilities of what can be done in this space. Uh, a lot of that starts in shoujo manga. A lot of that starts with the space opera. Like, we wouldn't have Gundam without Space Battleship Yamato. And then with the later Leiji Matsumoto space operas that emerged from Yamato. We wouldn't have Gundam without the, the explosion of the, I can't remember, what are they called? The something group, the year something group the, that Ryoko Ikeda was part of, Moto Hagio, all these other uh, shoujo mangaka. So at the time, developing stories that were character focused and had like emotional plot beats with, with like heavy characterization was like the thing to do. And Gundam did that. And Gundam in, put that into a very different kind of story that was more based around like more realistic concepts rather than just a random alien invasion. It was all about space colonies and people being oppressed because they've been put into these tubes in space. So what I'm trying to feverishly say here (laughs) is that Gundam has always had this link in Japan and that Gundam is always trying to recapture that. And not always succeeding. What, what I have actually here with me is there, there's a wonderful website called Zionic Scanlations who are, they're really the MVPs. They do a lot of like fan translations of uh, not only manga, but also interviews around Gundam. And they've been doing, they've been translating a lot of interviews. I put the link on the chat for uh, The Witch from Mercury. And one of the things that the producer Takuya Okamoto mentions is that one of the things that worried him and one of the things that worried a lot of the Sunrise creative staff is that they spoke to teenagers about Gundam and the teenagers were like, Gundam's not for us. Gundam has nothing to do with us, has nothing to do with our lives. And that's a problem for Gundam because Gundam always needs to be renewing itself. And so they decided on the school setting because they wanted something that was relatable to teenagers. And that's kind of what makes it what what makes Gundam always try something new. It's they're trying to always connect with a new audience. So what do new current audiences? Well, I mean, Yuri is at an all time high in terms of its popularity. You know, so there's that. Is it actually at an all time high in popularity? Well, I don't keep up with stuff like that, so I just genuinely don't know. There's I believe there's it. a lot more Yuri manga now than there has ever been. There's like so much of it coming out. Like Look, let's it's just an, all it's face it. The, the lesbians are conquering Earth, and we are here for it. It's it's slowly become much more of a thing. As I mean, in the in the last ten years, especially, it's completely blown up. I definitely know that I've noticed like more of it, and definitely more of it like being translated officially. Yeah. I just you know, 
I was just curious. As like kind of like the probably the the least person with the like skin in the game on this one, I've just like passing notice like there's a lot more nowadays, especially there's a lot more that's not like that seems to be written for women and not to like t- uh, titillate male audiences too. There's like a bit of everything and it's kind of like gr- been growing really explosively because not only it's not only being published in Yuri magazines anymore, it's kind of expanded outside of that and it's gotten some big some big hits that hit the mainstream, like Blooming to You. So I wouldn't say it's the most popular genre. That's the thing that surprised me about it, because I wouldn't say it's necessarily the hottest ticket for them to go for with a Gundam show. Mm-hmm. And that's why it surprised me that they've decided to go for it, at least for now. But yeah, but yeah, I guess I guess they, that's, that, that's just the conclusion of what I wanted to say about, about, about Gundam. It's like there's a bit of everything in everything. Gundam, and mecha anime is not just one thing. Also, I, I wanted to say a thing about Voltron before I forget. I just remembered that someone mentioned Voltron. <laughs> Sorry, need... that was me. No, 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 it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. But I need to I need to emphasize this again for the anime fan that doesn't know much about mecha anime. Voltron is a chop job. Okay, no, but aside from Voltron being a chop job, the original uh, Voltron, which was called Go Lion in Japan, is kind of completely irrelevant to the history of mecha anime. It's so minor. It's not an important show in any capacity there are a million shows like it that are much more important and interesting and better and i'm sorry for any voltron fans in the audience y'all should have watched gal geiger gal geiger or you know i'm gonna say this i'm gonna get crucified for this i'm gonna get canceled i don't care voltron legendary defender on netflix was pretty good i'm sorry i liked it i enjoyed it i had a good time with that we don't need to get into that we don't need to <laughs> we don't need to get into this course i like that show legendary vtuber Mario Cinco gets canceled on our podcast for liking show that was popular for a while i watched season one and i liked it so i mean yeah, i just it, by the time i like looked back at it there were so many seasons already that i like was very intimidated and then the fandom blew up and i was just like mm, i'm okay now oh it's also because a lot of the seasons are like like a lot of the seasons are like fake they're just like you know chopped up oh yeah they they would just drop like a half season or whatever and but it was just like it felt very intimidating at the time because i didn't know that they were just doing that but that's pretty much a netflix thing but i i watch she-ra i'm familiar oh she she is good she is really good but what i'll say is that yeah like if your impression of mecha anime is voltron or even go lion it's not a good impression because it's not representative it's literally one of the bunch there's like you know if you asked a true mecha murderhead what are the important mecha anime of that era like go lion wouldn't wouldn't even register except for the fact that it that it got a, an audience overseas it's not important in japan it's not relevant to the history and it's not relevant to like any conversation about mecha anime really because it's just it's just nothing there's a million shows like it there's a million shows like it but mecha anime is a lot of things. It's a huge genre. It has everything from psychological stuff, like more psychological stuff like Evangelion to stuff that's more about space politics, like Gundam, like a lot of Gundam. And, you know, I haven't even talked about Macross. Those shows are all about idols. Do you like idols? Do you like Love Live? Do you watch some of those VTubers who are idols? Well, Macross has a lot of anime, cute anime idol girls, you know, with banging soundtracks sometimes by yoko kano so maybe you should listen that's what i'm saying <laughs> oh absolutely 
they're romance stories as well. Like macros are like romantic stories as well. They're love stories. As long as we're we're recommending mecha anime to people, this is my daily reminder to people who are not usually big on shonen anime that Gal Gygar is worth it to look up clips from just for the animation chops on some of the oh, com- yeah. combination sequences. If you are one of those people who does not like mech anime, but does for some reason like Transformers, someone made you a show. Yeah. And I'm sorry you didn't get to see it before now. Someone actually made you several shows. Someone made you <laughs> someone made you an entire series of shows that I have technically only seen the one of that is the best well-known in the Anglosphere. Yeah. And, you know, throwing that one aside, this is my general recommendation for people who not are not normally into big, hot-blooded, dumb action shows to watch Garin Lagan anyway. Mostly because... If Big Steppy were not specifically real robot themed, that would have been the actual first show we did because it is somehow more cerebral than it should have a right to be, despite also being as rock stupid as it looks. <laughs> I, I would say if you don't want to commit to a whole season of anime watching um, Gurren Lagann, watch Promare. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Promare is good and it's gay. It's yeah, good. Uh, Promare is also is also an acceptable substitute, but I'm gonna be honest. Like, you should just watch Garen Lagan anyway because it's only 26 episodes long. And if you are one of those people who watched Evangelion, someone made you a mecha anime, and you were too like thrown off by how absolutely dumb it is to notice. Actually, actually, let me speak. Let me speak again to that person that's watched Evangelion and is listening to this podcast, and thus probably you know is warm very warm on anime gaze there's this show that came out in 2018 and a lot of the creative minds behind evangelion in it it's called sss Gridman. and yes oh that's what's now, been on my list yes whether whether Gridman counts as a mecha anime or not it's moot it counts as a mecha anime because i say so there's robots in it there is not only robots in it. I mean, Denazanon's definitely a mecha anime, and you have to watch Gridman to watch Denazanon. So there. Yeah, but also Gridman. I mean, Gridman is both a tokusatsu anime and a, and a and a mecha anime. It's basically a modern adaptation of a '90s tokusatsu show that you do not need to know anything about to watch it. You can just watch it as a Gridman. It has beautiful animation. It has gays in it, and you know it has like traumatized gays in it. I know you like that because you're listening to this podcast. That's true. <laughs> And it also has incredible mecha battles soundtrack. Do you like even do you like Evangelion soundtrack by Shiro Sagisu? Well, SSS Gridman has a soundtrack by Shiro Sagisu. Do you like the fact that Rei Ayanami's doorbell is called Pinpon? Well, a girl's or a boy's I can't remember a boy's doorbell in this show is called Neo Pinpon because it's, it's, it's a reference to Evangelion. It references Evangelion a lot because a lot of the guys that worked in Gridman worked in Evangelion and also worked in the new Evangelion movies and Gridman himself moves like an Ava because Ava moves like an Ultraman because, well, we don't need to get into that. But let's just say, if you like Evangelion a lot, you like Ultraman at least a little bit. Yep. Just telling you, just saying. Uh, Ultraman is secretly the the driving force behind everything Japanese you've ever loved. And yes. some things that aren't. Yeah, absolutely. I have a question about The Witch from Mercury, more specifically. Yes. Yeah. So in this show, there is the dueling of robots. Is that 
do they do that do they or like how much of it is like robot fights in normal gun in like i mean i guess i i don't want to say normal gundam as if this is not normal gundam but i guess but like previous gundam shows like it it varies wildly yeah uh generally like in my experience so the the mobile suits in gundam they are a stand-in for the people piloting those mobile suits. Uh-huh. So, like, whatever the show's about, they're working on those same themes in the combat okay. that's happening. Like, in the original Gundam, uh, in a lot of times, like, Amaro's, like, kind of, like, he's panicking in fights. He's, like, making, like, wild shots and misses stuff and, like, uh-huh. doing, like, big attacks. They're, like, really risky because he's in war and he is not a person who is like built for being in war right uh-huh. so it, it, it's the same thing like it, it's, it's all like it's all metaphorical in a sense i guess okay <laughs> some of them have been like way 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 more in in actual mobile suits than um this one has been so far and some of them are this or a little less okay large portions of uh gun and wing actually happen completely out of of suits like large more of the if you watch the comp, composite movies three composite movie trilogy of the original mobile suit gundam i would say a good at least 40 to 50 percent of it has almost nothing to do with mo- people being in mobile suits okay yeah and i would say like like the the big comparison that i draw with the duels in this is to like the build series because in the build series there's a lot of like oh you know you think you're so great beat me you know fight me irl in with your toy robot you know let's have a duel to see who who can be the very best that okay. you know, whatever it was you know like but yeah. like there's never but like dueling as a thing aside from like one-offs or aside from the build series has never been like that much of a thing other okay. unless there's like a character that is like oh my honor or whatever yeah i mean i guess like the gundam too also right because yeah. it's a tournament thing yeah exactly yeah i, I yeah. was wondering how unique that was to this particular story <laughs> quite quite unique not yeah as i say it's not wholly unique in the sense that like they've never done anything like this before but like it is out there for the series most okay. a lot gundam tends to be a lot more like dogfight focused when it does yeah well, that was the impression that i got i just was i was just curious as a novice. Let, let, let's just say that there's never been a Gundam before that so consistently used the word Keto or Jewel that has two girls becoming engaged by the end of the first episode and also has a member of the ancillary cast called Choo Choo. Oh yeah, yeah. oh my god. Choo Choo is in this anime. We haven't talked about my Blorbo. We don't my get to Choo Choo in this first episode, but no, I, I mean we see, her, we see her she's once. in it. But like we don't like we don't get Choo Choo yet. But oh my god, I love her so much. I love her name. Her full name is Chuatori Pan Lunch. Yeah, yeah, it is. I love her. I love Gundam names. She's a girl. So she's a girl with huge because like because you know the Choo Choo is like you know obviously it's it's referencing like a mouse and she has like huge pom pom hair that references mouse ears. Yeah, and she's called Choo Choo and she's in this. I love it. And there's we also haven't mentioned that there's like a dueling committee. There is, and they like pretty easily map onto the Usuna dueling committee. Uh, yes, there is a there is a guy that seems to be a guy more relaxed than Toga is about. No, actually, it's just about as relaxed as Toga is about opening his shirt. <laughs> there is a snarky girl who seems to be, you know, a big gay. There is like a quiet boy that you know reads philosophy. Mm-hmm. You know. 
Just saying. Just throwing it out there. This, this, this all these things are coincidences. This, 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 the, all these sessions make it, they're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah, I don't know. The character designs are so good. The character designs are real. Uh, I like the character designs uh, a lot. They're really good. I just, yeah, I have, a, I have a good time with those. Incidentally, what's the name? What's the name of the girl with the, the black hair that is blue on the inside? I think her name is like, oh. is it Nina? I don't uh, remember. She's voiced by the same voice actor as Rika from Gridman because everything's connected. Oh. But yeah, no, it's show good. I like. I also quite, quite like. Yes. May I squeeze in one, may I squeeze in my recommendations before we close out? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. As far as Gundam goes, if you liked, if you check out Mercury and you like it, you will probably love the first 12 episodes of Gundam Wing, after which you can you can sign off, because at that point you're, you've got all the good parts. <laughs> um, I personally think that you should definitely think about giving Turn A a try, or the or Gundam Build Divers, slash um, Gundam Build Fighter, the original one. Build Fighters is the original one. Yeah. Build Fighters, thank you. You might enjoy those as well, but to just look go look up what Gundam shows there are like literally just read a synopsis of what the show is about like like a plot synopsis but like a setting kind of like what is the show about you will find one that is interesting not Gundam if you like this and there's part of you that's like I would I would watch another thing that had robots in it I cannot recommend enough my hero Satomo Nihai the new god of science fiction has a show called Knights of Cydonia oh yeah oh I love that I love that show. He is actually one of my favorite science fiction writer people doing work right now. I loved him for Blame or Blam, as it's supposed to be. And Knights of Cydonia is his mecha outing. It's a uh, Netflix original. Yes, it was a Netflix original. If you like the parts of this that are the giant robot, if you like the juxtaposition of big fighty robots and um, young people who have lots of feelings... I cannot recommend Knights of Cydonia, the manga or the anime adaptation. They're both good. I personally wouldn't recommend the anime just because I can't watch that anime. The frame rate is so low, it gives me a headache. Yeah, I would say that I will tell you ahead of time the um, the anime. I think it looks mostly good, but it is definitely it's CG. Three, it, I was going to say it's like 3D, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, but, it's pretty much entirely CG. Yeah, but the superior version of it is the manga. On a scale of like like Ruby to ten, where is it? It's way better than Ruby. Okay. Well, it's way better than Ruby, though. except for the specific parts that we know were done only by uh, Monty Ohm, which are the best animation of all time. But besides That's those true. very specific parts, it, it's not quite as bad as early seasons of Ruby. But uh, any regardless, the manga is better. If you like this, and you like manga, you will probably like the Knights of Sidonia manga. And I'll if you do, out. I haven't read it. Um, Nihei's uh, other other stuff is really good, and you will also like it. It's got some. It is a darker take on the young people in big robots that have big feelings that um, you are going to see in Mercury, but it is this cut from a lot of the same cloth. Is it okay if I give a couple of suggestions as well? Because I, I give, I've given a few already, but I, I kind of want a couple more. Sure. Yeah. Where Where would you tell people to start after this? After this, I mean, I, I like what what is it is really really good. Like a lot of the time, I feel like when when you're recommending like a, a big meta series like Gundam, Kamen Rider, you're recommending all these big things, and it's very easy if you are a labor if you've never experienced any of these, it's easy to get overwhelmed. Like 
a lot of the times what I would say to people is like, yeah, have a look, you know, watch a compilation of openings, have a look at the pictures and like whatever looks appealing to you, start there because whatever instinctively appeals to you is in the end going to be more important than a recommendation from a, from a, a, a third person. I will say Turn A is very good. It's my favorite Gundam. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. Probably not representative of like Gundam as a whole, but as we've explored, not a lot is. Uh, for a modern Gundam show, Gundam Double O is pretty good. It's yeah. pretty decent. Introduces you to a lot of the themes and it has like, you know, great music, good characters, good mecha designs. And if you're interested, if you're interested in the older Gundam stuff, you can start with the original series, but it is very old and it was very low budget for the time. And even though I love it, it's very good. What I usually do if someone is interested in the Universal Century is I tell them to watch uh, the OAV miniseries Gundam 0080. It's only six episodes. And while it's not about the the larger issues around the main conflict of the original series, the, the one-year war, which is what the original series is about, it will show you like the, the humanistic themes of Gundam, what it's trying to say about war, what it's trying to say about humanity colonizing space. Yeah, I absolutely love War in the Pocket. It's really good. I, it's, I, yeah, it's Gundam it's really 080 War in the is... Pocket. It's self-contained. It has incredible top-of-the-line, uh, high-budget, hand-drawn animation that is just beautiful to look at. It has uh, character designs by Haruhiko Mikimoto, more famous for macros, mecha designs, by uh, Yutake Tsubuchi, more famous for Pad Labor, and a soundtrack by Tetsuro Kachibuchi, who's not famous as an anime composer, but was actually a just a, a, a rock musician who is very good. And it, uh, it's written by a, a, a Japanese novelist whose name I can't remember. And it's, a, it's one of the early examples of Gundam looking outside of the anime industry for artists to work in it, which is also very interesting and gives it this kind of more kind of adult kind of feel. It's more like an adult drama, even though it centers around like a seven-year-old kid. It also heavily features the Zaku, which is my favorite mobile suit. Yes. Love the Zaku. And the other thing I will say, if you're interested beyond... Beyond Gundam, of course, as I said, Gridman is very good as a modern mecha anime and its sequel, Dino Xenon. Promare is very good. I saw Promare in theaters. I'm very jealous of that. And uh, the other one that I would recommend is Macross. Now, Macross is another big meta series, not as big as Gundam, but about almost as old. It's only three years younger. And there's a lot of Macross to watch. The, the easiest recommendation within Macros that I can give you is watch Macros Frontier. It was the 25th anniversary show. It's only 25 episodes, I believe. And it's a really great encapsulation of what makes Macros good. It's like Macros is a show that is about, yes, pilots and war, but it's also about relationships. It's, it's about people that are caught in like love triangles, the realities of being an idol, like fairly, you know, fairly brutal at times realities of being a, an idol. And then just, yeah, like normal people falling in love in these extreme circumstances and music connecting people. And it's it's very, very beautiful. Like Macross is a big deal in Japan for a reason. It's a big cross-demographic hit and always has been. I uh, don't recommend Macross Delta, which is the most recent Macross. Uh, the music is great. It looks great. It sounds great. It's written terribly, and I do not recommend it because of that. But I would say Macros Frontier is definitely worth your time. And then, of course, if you like that, well, then welcome, little buddy. You know, bon appetit. <laughs> you can just dine on Macros all day long because it's real good. And again, there's a lot of Macros and a lot of different vibes to Macros. The soundtrack for Macros Frontier is also composed by Yoko Kano. And the last thing I want to say about Turn A Gundam, and I'm sorry, I can't stop talking about Turn A Gundam. It's just that good. <laughs> 
we talked about Gal Geiger. And I haven't seen Gal Geiger. I've seen all the bits and I'm sure I'm going to love it. But I have this thing that I tell people that in the late 90s, Sunrise, the company that animates Gundam, was going through a bit of a renaissance. Their, their heyday was the 80s when the, the success of Gundam meant that there were a lot of other shows that Sunrise made coming out of Gundam. Or Butler Dumbine, which was probably the first Isekai anime. Armor Trooper Votoms, a million others. But in the you know in the nineties, make anime kind of declined, and it kind of started coming back in the late in the late nineties. Now there's a period between nineteen ninety six and nineteen ninety nine where Sunrise was putting out an amazing array of work. In nineteen ninety six, they put out an isekai anime called Division of Escaflone, which you might have yep. heard of, which yep. is very good. It's basically Nobuteri Yuki's five star stories for babies. It's not bad, but it is kind of five star stories for babies. We don't need to delve into the five star stories today. We don't. We do not need to scrutinize that. Don't, don't, forget that I said that. In 1997, they come out with the King of Braves, Gal Geiger, which was the epitome of the Brave series, and it's like a smorgasbord of super robot nonsense with beautiful animation and fantastic, just like characters, and it's just really silly and really fun. 1998, you may have heard about an anime called Cowboy Bebop that was made by Sunrise with music by Yoko Kano, who also did the music for Division of Scaflone. And she also did the music for 1994's Macros Plus. And then in 1999, the 20th, the 20th anniversary of Gundam, they bring back Yoshiyuki Tomino, all the other creatives that I said, and they create Turn A Gundam as this big celebration of the franchise. So the reason why Turn A Gundam is so good is because it's also at this sweet spot where Sunrise is just producing all these bangers and they're just fresh of finishing Cowboy Bebop. And they make this. Don't you want to watch the Gundam that was fresh off Cowboy Bebop? It's nothing like Cowboy Bebop, <laughs> by the way. Thank you for this wonderful pitch. <laughs> I'm just saying, Turning Gundam is real good. And uh, yeah, you know, and again, watch a compilation of Gundam openings on YouTube. Watch a compilation of mecha anime openings on YouTube. There's going to be something there that you're going to go like, hmm, that's interesting. And maybe, you know what? Maybe you're a freak. I'm going to talk to the freaks in the audience. Maybe you really <laughs> like conversations about warfare and space politics. Well, in 1982, Fang of the Sun Dogram lasted for 70 episodes. And it's mainly based on the Algiers rebellions against the French. You're going to have to send me that in the, in the chat, by the way, because I'm extremely activated. I need to know more. <laughs> yes, Fang of the Sun Dogram, which was directed by Ryosuke Takahashi, who then went on to direct Armor Trooper Votoms. And Panzer World Galliant, which is a fantasy anime. That's right. There's fantasy mecha anime. I haven't even let myself talk about Magic Knight Ray Earth because we're already talked for a long time. I know. Like, we have so much more we could be saying. I have so many more things I want to say. But if we have any <sighs> hope of ending the podcast at a reasonable hour, we have God. to end it now. We it's 25 do. past 2 a.m. where I am. <laughs> it is 8.30 over here and I feel tired. I am an old I've had a migraine for 90 minutes. Does anyone have any like final things that they would like to say about specifically the witch for Mercury before we close out? Good. That's good. That's right. I love so good. In Go watch. I will say what I said on my tweet that got like 40 likes. I have only had Suleta Mercury for a few weeks, but if something happened to her, I would drop a colony on myself and everyone around me. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. And she doesn't need my protection, but she has it anyway. I don't know how many episodes will be out by the time this episode of the podcast is released to the public uh, because I don't 
have an exact release date in mind because we are technically on hiatus as of the episode that will come out before this that isn't out yet because of uh pre-scheduling but there's probably not going to be very many episodes out so it's easy to jump right in and get caught up and then you too can enjoy your suleta sunday or if you're like me your miorine monday yes we haven't even talked about how beautiful the animation is because the animation is real good yeah that cannot be understated like everything about this show is fun and good but also it just looks incredible you can splice this in earlier if you if you need to, but yeah, it's it's beautiful. Every every frame of this anime is a painting. Because this is this is the thing that I will say to the to the prospective Gundam future Gundam customer. One of the great things about Gundam is that it's the pretty much the biggest anime franchise in Japan, or one of them, and so it gets ridiculous budgets. So the animation is really beautiful. The, it's it's the prestige of anime. Don't you want to watch the prestige of anime? <laughs> don't, I don't mean the movie The Prestige. I mean like it's, it's, you know. I mean like wow. I mean like you know. It's the rings of power of anime. It's the Game of Thrones of anime. Don't you want to watch the Game of Thrones of anime? You mean the Breaking Oh, that's just anime? legendary. Like the heroes, isn't it? Yes, it is. Oh, mm. it is. Oh, yes, it is. We don't need, we don't need to get into that. I can talk oh. about legendary heroes for like several hours. All right. All right. We can't get into it. All right, we we, we gotta stop here. One last thing. Uh, Legend of the Galactic Heroes is directed, was directed by Noboru Ishiguro, who directed, more famously, the original Macross. Thank you. <laughs> Everything, it's all coming up Macross. All connected. It's all coming up Macross, <laughs> mate. Uh... But yeah, I, I hope that this has, I hope that this has convinced anyone who was still holding out for some reason to go track down the Witch from Mercury and possibly other Gundam if you uh, find that this interests you and you want to try and go in a similar direction. They, apparently, there is a Gundam for you. Isn't that beautiful? Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Uh, so, listeners, if you would like to follow this podcast on Twitter, you could do it at UtsunaCast. And if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you could do that at Mpandanata. Alice, where can people find you online? They can find me on Twitter at Lyrewolf, L-Y-R-E-W-U-L-F. And uh, Cass, where can people find the the sister podcast to this podcast that, that we are crossing over with tonight? Well, you can find Big Step you wherever fine podcasts are sold, and you can send inquiries about the show or general everything to us on Twitter at, at SteppyCast. And uh, Meru, where can you be found on the internet? Thank you. I can be found on Twitter at Marudacinco, usually tweeting about the kind of weird stuff the VTubers talk about, you know, occasionally talking about boobs, occasionally talking about feet, you know, the way that we are, the way we do. Uh, you can also find me at on Twitch at twitch.tv for slash Maru underscore day underscore Cinco. I usually stream three times a week. I'm currently on a health-related break while I recover from a mysterious, mysterious, uh, mysterious illness. But normally I stream, I at least stream every weekend where I will stream myself building Gumpla or other related robot model kits. I also stream, you know, playing retro games. I've been streaming a lot of Doom recently. I'll do collabs. I do singing. You know, my singing includes a lot of covers of, you know, anime songs. So if you're into that, you know, you might enjoy it. So, uh, yeah, that's the main places where you can find me. Do you think you will get any kit? 
for uh, a, a Gundam from this show. She's trying so hard. <laughs> I am trying. Re- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jeff knows this. Uh, I... I pre-ordered these on Hobbling Japan. I am disclosure. I'm a Hobbling Japan affiliate, and I pre-ordered the. I, well, I didn't pre-order them. I back-ordered them because right now the thing about it is that the Gumbler production there's like some issues with like the um, the stock at the moment, oh. uh, especially for newer kits. They are kind of rare, and on top of that, the popularity of Wisher Mercury and the popularity of the designs because they're very interesting and they're very innovative means that the kits are completely sold out everywhere wow i'm glad this is so popular yeah where i am in uh in the uk where i am there is i know not a single uk gundam or model kit or anime shop has i've not seen a single uh wish for mercury model kit and hobbling japan has them on back order i've had mine on back order for months i pre- i want i want the lefrith and the aerial gundams and they are nowhere to be found. And I wow. want them bodily, desperately want them. I'm sure um, when you get them, we'll, we'll all know about it. Very I well. hope that by it. the time this episode comes out, you have acquired at I least I hope one. that I get them. I doubt that I will get them before the year is up, uh, which is all, it's all good with my wallet. Let me tell you, because uh, I've had a lot, of, I have a lot of model kits to build. I'm currently on stream, by the way, building the original Gundam, which is just called Gundam. And uh, he's daddy, and I love him. And uh, he's a cheese a chunky boy. And yeah, just, just hey, come hang out in my streams. They're very chill. People sometimes are doing like wood carving in their shed, and they're like, "Yeah, I got you in the background building your gumbler, <laughs> being an anime girl." So come along, hang out while you're drawing or writing or whatever. We'll just chill. We'll just talk and chat. And then sometimes, if you're lucky, we do a show and tell segment where I show you a bit of my collection because despite what it might sound like and the fact that I'm a VTuber, I'm actually quite old. And I have a lot of fascinating stuff in my collection, like old issues of New Type magazine, old anime art books. You might get lucky. I might show you some of my Utena art books. So, you know. Stop by twitch.tv for slash underscore for slash cinco. Thank you. And uh, Jeff, where can you be found on the internet should you wish to be found? Uh, as always, I'm on Twitter at HeyBoots. Uh, I've been retweeting witches all month because it's October. I've taken like a week break because I got distracted. And then now I'm like, oh, I have to go back so far to like find all these. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow me if you want. That's all you'll see from me for the next like week and a half, though. Like there'll be, there'll be no other posting. And uh, I mentioned the Home for Wayward OCs earlier, which is a podcast that you were also on uh, recently. Yes, uh, I was on that talking about uh, my character from Atlanta campaign that um, Cass and uh, Alice uh, were also in. Mm-hmm. Yes, I wanted to make sure that I mentioned that because I mentioned Alice's episode. Uh, and listeners, if you would like to support this show, you could do that at utnacast.com. That's where you can find our Patreon. And uh, if you would like to get in touch with us, if you would like to come on the show, you can fill out the Google form that is in our pinned tweet on Twitter or you can shoot me an email at imagineandusna at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on Twitter, or you can uh, send a, a carrier pigeon my way. You can rub some sticks together and whisper into the wind, revolutionary girl Utsuna, and I will probably, probably hear you. So any of these ways you can get in contact with us to either come on the show or give, you, give us your, uh, your feedback. 
And I think that's all the things I'm going to say tonight. So what should we, what should our sign off be? Oh, before, before you do the sign off, I have one thing that you can splice into my plugs if you want or not, but I would feel very remiss if I didn't say it. Okay. I am part of a VTuber group called Gatai the Live, who are all tokusatsu and mecha uh, kind of themed. Uh, at least two of my teammates, Captain Hurricane and Sonomikan, who are also, they're all VTubers. They also build model kits on stream. They also talk about tokusatsu and mecha anime a lot. So do, you know, do give at Gatai the Live on Twitter a check and that will link you to all of our profiles. Nice. Sorry. I just, I just remembered I need to get that. Gotta rep rep the group. Gotta rep the group. I, uh, so what should our, what should our sign off be? Oh, good one. Well, okay, so uh, at the end of every Gundam episode, there's like the preview for the next episode, like in any anime. But uh-huh. there's like a tradition that there is like for a lot of the older shows, they had like a like a tagline, right? So the tagline for the original series was very brutal, and it was simply "Who will survive?" Okay, <gasps> so should we all should we all just yeah. say "Who will survive"? Yes. All right. Yes. I'll count down three, two, one, and we will try to all say that. Uh, okay. Three. Two, one. Who will survive? survive. <laughs> <laughs>